I'm recording. You're recording. I cannot. Yes. Oh, okay. I see recording. Okay. Are you recording, Marcella? I don't think I have the option. You can't record? I have the option. But she, I sounds, can't my... but she sounds like so much better than she did yesterday. Can you hear? Is Laura hearing all of this? Hi, Laura. Okay. Okay. Marcella, say something. Hello. It, it sounds good. I heard it. Sounds good. Okay. Yeah. So just go do it and... We got Let's the see. we got the thumbs up from the tech support. I think it'll be good. I don't know. <laughs> well, who says? Who I says? Know. I think you're good. And he goes, but I don't know. And then he just leaves <laughs> us. Do you have a black thumb? Are you wondering what the word horticulture means? Are you a little bit seedy? A little shady? Do you stand in the garden and wonder what the f- am I doing? Do you look at people's yards and wonder what the f- are they doing? If so, this podcast is for you, no matter your gardening experience level. I'm Shannon. And I'm Marcella, two friends who like to laugh and learn our way through life and gardening. Tune in as we interview some awesome people who talk to us about their love for plants, trees, gardens, bugs, and more. Welcome to CD and Shady AF, a sketchy gardening podcast. Hey, Marcella. Hey, Shannon. So do you have any hobbies that you really enjoy aside from gardening? What might be surprising to the audience is gardening is not one of them right now, but listening to music, watching movies, shopping at like antique stores. Those are some of my favorite hobbies. What about you? So the fact that gardening is not one of your favorite hobbies, I'm now in the market for a new podcast (laughs) (laughs) co-host. No, so actually I enjoy just, you know, being outside and in the garden is a big one. And also just kind of watching these birds that I've named in my yard kind of fly from one tree to the other. We're going to talk a little bit about gardening as a hobby today with our guest, Laura. Did you want to give our audience a little bit more information about the show that's coming up? Yeah, definitely. Laura Humphrey is a recreational therapist and her approach to gardening has to do with how she's helped people find their love of leisure, like being able to just enjoy themselves through activities like gardening. And it's kind of interesting to hear her backstory because she grew up being forced to garden by family. And then, you know, as an adult, she helps people find it as a hobby. So that's pretty cool. Yes, it's going to be a great show. It was a really enjoyable conversation. So sit back, relax and enjoy. So we got to read your bio before we interviewed you. And so the first question that we had was, you talked about growing up, spending your summers in Lillington, North Carolina. So what's it like there? Lillington, North Carolina is in Harnett County. So it's kind of in the central part of the state. It is uh, very rural in a very small town. I would spend it with my grandparents who were very salt of the earth people. to say the least. So that's kind of where I first got that exposure to gardening without even realizing it. Is it North Carolina like the sweet potato capital of the world? Or is it just me that calls it that? Okay, we grow a lot of sweet potatoes. I, growing up, the biggest cash crop we had that I was aware of was tobacco. Of course, that's fallen down. But we can, we grow a lot of, um, uh, we do grow sweet potatoes, soybeans, corn, if you go around all the fields in this area, at least. So in North Florida, they also grew a lot of tobacco. So where I grew up is there were lots of tobacco barns where they would dry the tobacco. So you could always smell it in the air. So that's kind of neat. Yeah. So so can you tell us a little bit like, so you're a rec- recreational therapist. What's a recreational therapist do? Sure. So recreational therapists use recreation and leisure activities to help people fully engage in life. 
It can look like them getting involved in new activities. It could be used in a rehabilitation setting to increase functional abilities or use people to adjust the disability or really whatever condition that they're in. So recreational therapies are kind of jacks of all trades. So how do you think that being a recreational therapist intersects with uh, your gardening interest? So yeah, as a recreational therapist, I have to kind of find out what people, what makes people tick, right? Like, what do you love to do? And then it's my job to get you doing that or to use that to help you get better. So gardening can be used in so many different ways. When I worked in brain injury, something as simple as following directions, you know, can you follow a one-step direction, a two-step direction, the motor skills involved in gardening, planning, the problem solving. Then there's a creative expression that happens with gardening. There's some amazing happen too, just from like having to care and nurture things. It definitely intersects. I mean, I think the first intervention I ever did in gardening as a recreational therapist, I was in an intern or doing practicum and we had a, a, a woman who had had either a heart attack or stroke. She was in acute rehab stabilization on the hospital. And, you know, she just wanted to go out to the raised garden bed and play in the dirt. And that's what we did. Mm-hmm. And it helped. I was just thinking as you were, as you were talking about the following instructions and gardening, like you would immediately fire me as a a patient because I cannot follow (laughs) instructions and I cannot garden. So you mentioned that you also do horticulture therapist. And let me tell you, I have been saying that word horticulture all day and people keep thinking I'm saying something different, not horticulture. So they were very confused about what we're going to be talking about tonight. But um, can you talk a little bit about that? So I had the opportunity to work with a horticulture therapist, which is a kind of subspecialty. And horticulture therapists use plant and plant-based activities to help people meet their goals. So it's kind of like recreational therapists use all kinds of recreation leisure activities. Mm -hmm. They just use plant and plant-based activities. And so they they have a lot of specialized knowledge. And the, the facility I worked at prior to where I work now had those very specialized um, modalities there. And so I think that's when I started originally thinking less poorly about gardening. Like it was kind of, a, <laughs> it wasn't just like work for no reason. Mm-hmm. And I saw a huge impact and, and I learned so much from her because she had so much technical knowledge about what to do and how to do it. I mean, we would get crazy projects. We built an aquaponic system to grow. Wow. We should do like, that, Marcella. We should build we an should. aquaponic we should do that. Or, no, and then we did fog, <laughs> like with a fog machine. And it was really driven by patient, patient interest at the time. We would also do really interesting things for like propagating plants for the plant mm-hmm. cell. So very functional things as well. But, you know, I was kind of like, let's use what we have. And she was like, let's have everything exactly perfect. So every time we'd like, there's <laughs> a store. And I'm like, no, what's in the garage, you know? <laughs> We both learned a lot from each other in that way of like, you know, that kind of push and pull of like having everything technically exactly right. And then just saying like, oh, you're supposed to do it like this, but this is what we have. So we're doing it like this. So you would say that you're definitely more of a fast and loose kind of gardener. Yeah. I mean, you just, you know, plants want to live, right? (laughs) Right. Incredibly resilient. They need light. They need nutrition. They need water. And they need space and time. Most plants with those simple things will find a way. So, you know, I think I do best out of neglect. <laughs> this is what I love about working with Laura too. She's so resourceful. And that's kind of like your style of gardening. That's what I'm hearing you say. You got to work with what you got. 
you don't always have the perfect situation, the perfect scenario, and you got to work with what you got. In the garden, what kind of things do you like to work with? Are you a vegetable person? Are you fruits? Are you flowers? I like to not pay for my food. (laughs) (laughs) Fair. I like to try to grow things that I can eat. Even tonight, I kind of forgot, like I had this one little lettuce thing growing in my indoor garden. And my mom was like, we need lettuce. I was like, I don't have any. She's like, well, what about that thing that's in the pot? I was like, oh yeah. So we just like, it's for our burgers, you know, no biggie. So I kind of like that. I like to experiment. Um, You know, food has gotten so expensive, the more that you can produce for yourself. The asterisk beside that is you can't spend a ton of money trying to produce your own. So yeah, that's kind of what I do every year to try to plan it out and start it super simple. Like here's a tomato plant and a green bean. And then every year add more and more. (laughs) (laughs) So what is the most exotic thing that you've grown? Like bok choy, which is super easy to grow. Or actually, I so I just moved into the house I'm in now a year ago. So that's been super exciting to figure out like what you're going to do, right? We moved in last November, December. And I really didn't have time to like create a garden space here. Right. So most garden this year was actually done in straw bales. I've never done that before. It wasn't cool. You know, I learned a lot. But one of the things I did on one of my fence lines is I planted pineapples. So I've got about seven pineapple plants that grow on my fence line now that are grown. That's so cool. And maybe in seven years, I'll have pineapples. Who knows? (laughs) (laughs) It's a patience game. It sounds like it's you're in it for the long game. So uh, you're talking about the the bok choy. so I have pak choy, which is similar, and I was gr- I'm growing it outside. I'm horrible at anything that's leafy; like I just can't seem to get it to work at all. So I was growing this pak choy, and something started kind of eating it, and I was like, you know, I'm going to see what happens with this. But I have this super fat squirrel that lives in my garden. He's so fat; like every time he comes down the the fence post, he's got these little chunky thighs. He's just fattest little squirrel. I think he fights the cats for the food, but. I digress. He runs over. I have a bee bath and the bees never drink out of it. Just this fat squirrel. So I saw this fat squirrel a couple of days ago, run across the yard, jumps up. And he's drinking out of the bee bath, just like it's his bee bath. And then he grabs like a little nut off the ground, walks over and climbs on top of the bok choy and sat there and ate the peanut like he owned the bok choy. Oh my gosh. So it's that's what mine gets used for, mostly the squirrel to sit his butt on it. I, you know, pests are, are real and I do my best not to have to use pesticides. The thing I've always been taught is just overplant. If you overplant, then whoever wants it can have some. <laughs> right, right. I just I assume the, the bok choy belongs to him now. So it's all good. Yes, Miss Laura. And you, you, so I want to go back to something you said earlier in the interview. So you mentioned that at some point gardening felt like work for you. I was just kind of wondering, like, what was your, because I know you're, you started off with your grandparents, like gardening with your grandparents. So what was that like? How old were you when they started ha- asking you to help and how willing were you? I, I don't remember not being asked to help and it was never an option. So willingness was like not a factor. It was like, Irrelevant. I mean, older, it was like, oh, you want Thanksgiving dinner? We'll go out there and pick up some pecans. Like, you know, because that, that's just <laughs> happened. Um, and that was their way of life. They were really simple people. And coming out of the depression era, you know, my grandfather mm-hmm. was actually disabled from a very early age because of arthritis. So my grandmother had to do most of the work and, she could grow anything. She had things that were not supposed to grow in this grow zone. Grow. <laughs> you know, she'd eat a peach and be like, mm, this is good. Go plant that in the dirt beside that other peach tree, you know? And and they just produced for themselves everything they needed. And there was a lot of bartering and trading and 
they made a small commerce. You know, we picked up pecans and that she would sell them, you know, Christmas time, pecans, shelled or unshelled. And that was just their way of life. Canning was a way of life. Her dining room punches were just filled with canned food. And I didn't know anything different. I didn't know it was like gardening, mm-hmm. but it was like work. It was like, you're making me slave labor at summertime. I just want to watch TV. <laughs> But it was, it was built into the day. It was just part of the routine. Gotcha. Very cool. So you talked about recreational therapy and how it intersects with gardening. I'm wondering, like, what are the results you've seen? What, what have you seen it do for the people that you've worked with? I've done the most gardening interventions working with the veteran population. So uh, post 9-11 service members with mild to moderate, moderate brain injury and co-occurring behavioral health symptoms. And I have seen it do some amazing things. I remember working with one gentleman, um, who had some pretty severe behavioral health symptoms that presented as physical symptoms where he was at least presenting physically disabled, um, but with no known cause. Sometimes people call that conversion disorder. Mm -hmm. And he found such a joy in gardening. And I remember one of the first things that we did was we were getting ready for the plant sale there at that facility. And we were propagating and like separating plants out. And he had this plant and you know, we were asking him to essentially pull it into two different plants. And for him, it was like, it was such a hard thing because he had seen so much death and destruction in his life. And like, here's this living thing. And seemingly, you know, we're asking him to, to hurt it. And, but, and, you know, he really struggled with that and, and we supported him through it. And then the next thing, you know, we have two thriving plants. And it kind of like turned things around for him where he began to get more and more engaged. He started to see life. He started to see that he could care for something and it would survive, which is so huge in that population. Surprisingly, he didn't have a lot of physical disabilities in the garden. Who knew, right? You know, we would see them in other, uh, in other situations when he was under more stress, which is pretty consistent with his pathology. But, you know, when he was in the garden, you know, all of a sudden he's out of the wheelchair. He's standing up. He's walking around. He's doing the things he wants to do. And, it, and it's huge. It was a huge part of getting him back home, getting him back stable. I also worked with probably the, the biggest gardener I had was a, a gentleman. He actually also had a spinal cord injury from a bad jump. And he was in a wheelchair. And once we showed him how to to access the garden, he had an interest previously in garden, but he didn't think he could get out into the yard and, and do things. And we showed him about adaptive tools and raised beds and, you know, just how to adapt and modify. Mm. And, you know, that became not only a place of solace for him, but how he could engage his kids. You know, he's out there in the garden with yes. his kids and them something. It was it's just beautiful. Definitely. It's a gift that keeps on giving. Like you were able to teach him something that he's able to apply to his relationships and to all the other areas of life. I mean, honestly, I think they teach me. They just don't know it. I'm just like the person that makes it seem completely normal and we'll do it. And if it doesn't work, we'll figure out how to make it work. Hi there. Seed in the Shade here with some facts about nature and your mental health. When it comes to mental health benefits, nature has a very wide definition. It can mean green spaces such as parks, woodlands, or forests, as well as blue spaces like rivers, wetlands, beaches, and canals. It also includes trees on an urban street, private gardens, and even indoor plants or window boxes. 
Surprisingly, even watching nature documentaries has been shown to be good for our mental health. This is great news, as it means the mental health benefits of nature can be made available to nearly every one of us, no matter where we live. So let's all go out and hug some trees. So we've talked about um, what gardening has done for your patients and some of the ways that gardening has contributed to your lifestyle, which is like feeding yourself. But what other things has gardening done for you personally? I just love being out in the sun. I love physical work now. Um, That's something I I enjoy doing, especially the more uh, less physical my my job is, my current position, there isn't a lot of physicality to it. So uh, when I come home and spend an hour or so in the garden, it's me and the dog and you know, I'm out there doing my thing. And the next thing I know, like my neighbors on both sides of me are out there and we're on the fence talking and, you know, comparing notes. Um, (laughs) Well, my garden, my tomatoes aren't growing. Why are yours growing? You know, things like that. Um, And and so it's just been, been really neat. I mean, I I look forward to it, you know, in the summer times and the afternoons to go check it out and see what's happening. It's kind of like magic, you know, Uh, Every day you go out there and there's a surprise like, oh, this thing is about to die or, oh, there's a beautiful fruit, you know, and you figure out what to do with it. Yes, yes. Or in my case, when I went out yesterday and one of my plants is just gone. Yeah. (laughs) Which was a surprise. So, yes, every day in the garden is something special. But no, um, absolutely. Like a garden can definitely be a place of solace and solitude and kind of reflection, but it's also a place that can bring communities together. So absolutely. Yeah. Most of my neighbors are, are retired and they, they find, you know, one, one neighbor took up gardening because he was retired and he didn't know what to do with himself. I have an, another neighbor who is a, a veteran and he will sit, tell you like the only reason he leaves his house is to go in his garden. And so it, you know, again, it just shows the power of that. So do you give your plants and vegetables any kind of special names? You know, I, I think a good rule of thumb is like, don't name anything you plan to eat. <laughs> I, I break that. I literally name everything. Like every, every plant has a name, every, like the squirrel, I call him chunky, you know, like everything out there has a name. Do you plan to eat the squirrel? <laughs> I don't plan to eat him, but he's in the garden. Okay, just making sure. I'm not going to eat him. I'm just going to look at him with the side eye. Stew is pretty good if you change your mind. I'm sure. (laughs) But today, today, Chonky the Squirrel, you are safe. You are good. Just keep sitting your fat butt on my bok choy. You're good. And so do you have an example of a gardening fail? What is like a major gardening fail that you've experienced in the garden? I'm definitely not successful at a lot of things I do, but I don't really ever see them as fails. It's just opportunities for learning, which is so like, so, you know, like interviewing, <laughs> but really it is like my hay bale gardening did not do great, but I learned a ton. I learned a ton about my water chemistry and soil chemistry and nutrient stuff. Once I got that figured out, things started happening and I started producing. But, you know, a lot of like this is the first year I had been able to grow green beans. Who knew? Right. They don't particularly like something I planted them beside. OK, mm-hmm. figure that out next year. Right. Is there anything that you've ever grown in your garden that you were so successful that you were like, I am the queen of this thing? I get really excited about volunteer plants. So I um, did my fall garden and I used some not so composted compost. <laughs> and, and the things that I planted did not grow, but I had some beautiful volunteer tomatoes come out of it, which is <laughs> 
so ironic because I couldn't grow tomatoes when I tried. And 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 when you say volunteer um uh, vegetables, what do you mean? Volunteer vegetables like just come because they want to, not because you intend them to. A lot of times you'll see that in places you've planted them before where the seeds they've they've seeded and they'll come back up because you haven't fully cleaned them out. Mm. Essentially in the compost, it had not fully composted, the seeds were still there. Those seeds went out over the seeds I planted. Instead of some of my fall crops, I had some beautiful tomatoes that actually fruited this year. So they were just in the fall. So it turned out to be a win. Yeah. And I I love it when like I I grew peppers for the first time and I was like eating sweet peppers, which is kind of a newer thing for me. And I was like, there's so many seeds in them and I'm spending lots of money buying sweet peppers every week. Maybe I should grow some of these, you know? And so I I have some, I've saved them. I've just moved them inside because we had a frost last night. I'm also really my first year growing indoors. So I have a indoor garden with green lights or garden lights that I'm experimenting with. And some, I did the same plants outdoors at the same time, an experiment to see what likes what. So you're a little bit of a mad scientist. I guess. Yeah. I mean, just (laughs) let's see what happens. Right. (laughs) (laughs) you're not afraid to try stuff yeah that's what my observation is because like that's the hardest part I think for me as a novice gardener is that I don't always I think I overthink like what should I grow or like what what can grow or what do I need to do am I positioned in front of the sun the way that I need to be to grow what I want to grow and so I end up in analysis paralysis and I just don't grow anything just do one of all do one of each put them everywhere right yeah (laughs) I like that style. I like that too. This year, because I didn't have a, a in-ground spot, like right now, that's where I am. I'm like, I want an in-ground garden. Where do I want to put it? Like, I know where my sun patterns are now. We're in Eastern North Carolina. It's blazing hot in the summertime. Mm-hmm. Yes, it says full sun, but it doesn't say full like two o'clock in the afternoon, July sun from North Carolina. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I I definitely understand that. So, you know, there is some strategy into like placement. And all that. But again, it's just about figuring it out and modifying. That makes sense. And you kind of alluded to this a little bit, but, and again, I'm going like way off script here, but how do you decide what to grow? Look at my grocery bill. I mean, you know, what do I want to eat? What will I utilize? Right. Because that that's what it is. Like, you know, the, the best thing in the world is in the summertime when I can go out fishing, catch some fish, come home, cook my fish, go out in the garden get some greens and vegetables and and have a salad. And like, there's a meal that's fresh from the earth right there. And, you know, it, it didn't really cost at least any cash at that moment. And, and it just feels great. Like it's back to that, like hunting and foraging, like lifestyle. Like that's a part of, I think in all of us to some degree. For sure. That's really cool. I, I totally buy plants based on my heart. <laughs> okay. Which is why I end up with like trying to grow banana plants in not tropical areas or trying to grow crazy things where they don't belong necessarily. But I love them so much. So I definitely plant with my heart. I should try to plant based on my grocery bill and see how that works out. I like that idea as well. I'm, I'm sitting here trying to figure out how to get some avocados growing. Um, I also think now that I live in more of a, a neighborhood that there's everyone gardening, grow a lot of a couple things and share. I have a neighbor with banana trees. So if I'm going to need bananas, I don't need to grow them. It's kind of neat. And we share a lot of stuff like that across, across the fence, so to speak. Oh, that's wonderful. So I have a question. We have a game that we'd like for you to play. Would you say your gardening style is more beetles, octopus garden, or seal, kiss from a rose? or poisons, 
every rose has its thorns. This is really difficult, but I'm going to have to go with the beetle. Okay. Why? It's just kind of out there and thinking more of the psychedelic nature of it all. Not that I do any psychedelic gardening, but uh, it's very disclaimer and, <laughs> and um, very just piecemeal. Like, you know, I've got, I've got all these little things like an octopus's arms. There's like eight little spots I'm growing different things in and I'm kind of going in five different directions at once, but you know, one of them is going to work out. So well, that's very cool. Yes. I love that. Very cool. And then um, kind of following up that question, is there any veggie or plant or fruit that you grow in your garden that you identify with? This question stressed me out so bad. I was, I'm supposed to identify with my vegetables, but, um, and then I got, I asked for feedback. Right. So I asked, I asked um, Mike, my, my significant other and my mom's in town. And I asked her, which is funny because I did grow Vivian lettuce this year because that is her name. But so I would have to say it's probably a toss up between my arugula or my carrots. Okay. (laughs) Tell us why. (laughs) Um, Because arugula is kind of like nothing you really notice, but it can be super peppery. And I feel like that very much is me. (laughs) Spicy. In a lot of ways, yes. It can be spicy quick. And I think the carrot, you know, because they're so different. I have definitely have strong root. I can persevere almost any condition. And even if all you see is the green fluff on the top, there's a whole lot more underneath the ground. I oh, love that's that. Nice. Yes, that's beautiful. Shannon, what about you? Do you have a fruit or a vegetable or plant that you identify with? I don't know. Probably the one that's kind of wind, whatever, whichever one in my garden is the one that's kind of like beaten up by the wind. <laughs> Maybe it's like a little bit half broken at the stem and kind of leaning over, but it's still hanging in there. Probably that one. Not any one specific, I think. I'd have to think about that a little bit. I think maybe uh, I have these lychee tomatoes that I'm growing that are growing in, in the in the full summer, 115 degree heat this summer, and they still manage to live. And they're spiky on the outside and kind of everywhere you touch is a little bit spiky. But if you actually get to the meat of it, it's so juicy and delicious and wonderful. So maybe the lychee tomato. What about you, Marcella? So I once saw this, I think it was a meme on Facebook and it was like the pineapple, how it's like hard on the outside and like spiky, but when you open it, it's like sweet. And so I I guess that's how I'd like to see myself, but I'm also, I think I'm also soft on the outside. So I have to think about that question a little bit more. I got to find something that's (laughs) Off and sweet on the outside, and then when you get on the inside, when you need to pull upon it, you can be spicy. So, like a reverse pineapple, <laughs> like a banana. There we go. <laughs> you know, you you started talking about kind of that hunter life and forager life, and so I'm wondering, like, do you think that growing our own produce is that something that you think is like feasible for everybody to do? I mean, I think that it depends. You know, I think about when I lived in the city, and I think about when I didn't own my own property, and I think it's much harder to do it economically. But I think, yeah, you know, a pot full of dirt and some seeds, you can grow something. I think, too, just being able to recognize around you what's there. Like, I wish I had more foraging knowledge. I I have a good friend that's in the Raleigh area that's an herbalist and very much self-taught. And every day I see posts about how she like went and found this crazy mushroom she's going to eat and like not die from it. Which is important. (laughs) Like, yes, very important. I have tons of mushrooms in my yard and I wish someone could tell me if they're edible or not, but I'm not touching them. And, you know, if she finds all these other things on her height, there's so much around us we're not taking advantage of. It doesn't even have to be commercially grown, just being able to recognize, you know, what it is that we can utilize 
right? The resources available to us. I saw a, a meme once that said something to the effect of like the difference between a flower and a reed is that we nurture one and try to kill the other, right? Mm. But, you know, people pay big bucks for dandelion greens, but how many dandelions have you pulled out of your garden? Yeah, that's fair. All right. So in closing, what is some um, feedback or advice you would give for a new a new gardener, somebody who's who knows nothing, maybe has no patience for gardening, maybe very inexperienced, doesn't know what they're doing, kind of like me asking for a friend, but me. <laughs> there are some great things out there. I, there's a wonderful book called Don't Throw It, Grow It that talks about how to grow things from the produce that you're already buying at the grocery store, kind of like the pineapples that are now in my backyard. Mm-hmm. Um, And so I think that's a great way to start. A lot of it can be done just with water and glass jars and rooting things. Try not to spend a lot of money. Like I grew my tomatoes this year in kitty swimming pools because I wasn't paying hundreds of dollars for raised garden beds. And and it worked out fine. My neighbors were like, what do you mean? We just paid all this money for these beds and we could have gone to the Dollar General and bought a kitty swimming pool. I said, yeah. (laughs) Keep it simple. Experiment. Try lots of different things and something, something will work. If you put all your eggs in one proverbial basket, you might get disappointed, but just experiment. Great advice. Well, thank you so much for coming on with us today, Laura. That's been very insightful. I learned a lot. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, that was a lot of fun. Thank you. This has been the Seedy and Shady AF podcast. Thanks to all the peas in our pod for listening. We believe in you and we believe in your plants. Follow us for more shenanigans on Instagram at Seedy and Shady Pod. Until next time, stay seedy, stay shady. And remember, sketchy gardening is still gardening.